welcome back to Two Pastors and a Mic. My name is Shannon, And I'm Corey. And we're so thankful that you're joining us today, wherever you're listening from. Also, if you're joining us on YouTube, thank you so much for being here. Today is a pretty awesome day because each and every single week we talk about uh, liking our podcast, sharing our podcast, leaving us reviews. And you guys have been doing that so well. You've been tuning in. You've been sharing the podcast. And so officially we can celebrate this week because we hit 50,000 downloads so crazy this past Sunday. So crazy. And what's crazy is, um, you know, leading up to it, I think I checked over the weekend, like Friday, like, oh, or you maybe sent a text first, like, hey, we're 100 or 200 away. Um, And then I think I checked it Saturday. And then I'm like, uh, Sunday afternoon thinking, oh, I need to check it. It was like 4.05 p.m. I checked it <laughs> and it had just ticked to 50,000. And I'm like, man, this is just surreal. Like, so crazy. It's crazy to think about, you know, and we say it all the time. When we started this podcast, it was just a, a spot for us to um, just share what we're going through, share where we're at, um, maybe share some things that we're learning that we wouldn't necessarily take up a Sunday to teach or to preach about some of these things. Um, but some things we think are worth a conversation. Some things are worth us studying a little bit. Um, and some things are just fun to talk about that we think would be encouraging or uplifting to people. And so because of you, we, uh, we, we exceeded those expectations in the beginning because we literally thought maybe, uh, five people would listen a week. (laughs) And, uh, here we are gained a lot of, gained a lot of momentum over the past year, year and a half. And uh, we hit 50,000 downloads. Matter of fact, before we started this podcast, you were sharing some statistics yeah, with me that were just up. like unreal. So uh, why don't you share those with our listener? Yeah, not only 50,000 downloads, we've been listened to in over 2,000 cities around the world, 2,000 different cities, crazy, 66 different countries. In fact, I was just looking at this right now. We just did the four part episode on the Beatitudes talking about blessed and how blessed is actually a state of being on the island of Cyprus. And we have one listener from wow. Cyprus. I just saw that right now. Look at that. Look at that right there. I yeah, didn't even I know that it. was its own country. I did not either. So crazy. We've been listening to on every continent minus Antarctica because yeah, yeah, whatever. But yeah, hundreds of listens on in Europe, Asia, Africa, Oceania, South America, and obviously our most listened to in North America. But thank you, seriously, all of you who have listened, shared. Yeah. We actually, if you have not left a review on Apple Podcasts, we're at 97 reviews. We would love to get to 100. We need three of you who have not left a review to go do so on Apple Podcasts. But seriously, thank you so much for your love and support. Yeah, we love that. And if you're not able to leave a review, I know some of you said you listen to places where you're not able to leave a review. You're not on maybe listening to Apple podcast. Um, that's okay. We, there's no shame with that. Don't carry any burden with that. And uh, you can reach out to us or just let us know when you see us. But if you have the opportunity and uh, availability to leave a review, yeah, we want to get to hundred by the end of the year. Hey, we've been hitting some milestones lately because of you. So let's hit another one. Let's do it. <laughs> so we're actually going to do some fun things over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk around about some myths around the nativity. Some of these are probably things you already knew. Some of them are definitely things you did not know. And some of them are going to blow your mind because they blew even my mind. Some of them are, you're going to think, why is that a myth? Because I already knew that. Right. But apparently, and you're going to find out today, we're going to have some fun at the end of this episode because we were shocked (laughs) by asking our own staff some of these questions. But yeah, this nativity, let's, I'm going to give you some history on the nativity uh, kind of where it even started, the first imprints, knowing that like it became in 
the last like 700 years, a massive art display, which is coveted by people who like art, so right. to speak. I'm going to give you some of those things. Right, but, but I think before we get into the episode too, we want you to know while we're going to have fun around the nativity during this Christmas season and just talk about things that might pertain to the Christmas story, we want you to know that we're not here to bash that story. We're right. not here to rip apart some things that you love. Some of these things were just very interesting to us. And more than anything, especially today in this episode, as we talk about the nativity, um, we want you to know that the nativity from the very beginning in its artistic expression had one purpose. Mm -hmm. And that purpose was really to display or to show how Christ came as a human, right? Yep. This incarnation, it's the beautiful story of the gospel, how God, Jesus, the word, right? Who was from the beginning, showed up, put on skin and moved into the neighborhood. Mm. And it is so beautiful. And that's why people want to depict the story around Jesus's birth with the nativity to express how Christ came um, fully God, but fully man. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And that is the significant. I'm glad you just said that because yeah, we're not, we're not ripping you for having nativities or liking it. We're not telling you have to change your nativity. I know somebody that collects different types of nativities and they even have like a millennial nativity and it's hilarious, but I encourage you to love your nativity. We're just bringing out some myths around it. But before we get to the myths, here's some interesting facts that you probably never knew. And I'm going to say that because I had to do a bunch of research on this and I'm going to pronounce some of these people's names wrong, but I didn't know very much of, of this history of the nativity at all. In fact, the earliest securely dated example of the nativity scene is from 343 AD. It's from a sketch of a no, of a now lost fragment of a sarcophagus. Sarcophagus. Sarcoph I, I sarcophagus. Know, what is that? Um, it's like a, Sarcophagus, I think it's the stuff that they wrap bodies in or something, oh, like the material. Cool. Yeah, from the catac catacombs of Saints Marcellinus. I don't know. Again, we'll just go with these names and just Peter in us. Rome. It depicts the infant wrapped in swaddling clothes, which we're going to come back to in a couple weeks, lying in a trough close to the ground, surrounded by an ox, an ass, two shepherds, and a tree. In other words, this sculpted scene contains several of the main components of what would become the nativity standards composition. Notably, Mary is absent. Dun, dun, dun. Did you know that? It was only with changes in Christianity as her status as the human bearer of God became solidified in the next century, so in the fourth century, uh, that she became an indispensable part of the nativity scene, which is very interesting. I did not know that at all. Hmm. There's so much history involved with the evolution of the nativity scene over the years. However, starting with the Renaissance, which we had to look this up, the Renaissance is- Yeah, like 1400 14. to 1600 yep. AD. Artists began to produce incredible diverse depictions of the nativity. Many examples of the scene are deemed masterpieces of art in their own right. You have Duccios, Duccios, what? <laughs> the nativity with the prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel, which surfaced in the 13th century, 1308 to 1311. You have Domenico's Gerlandio's nativity and adoration to the shepherds in 1485, which is one of the most famous pieces, by the way, and emblematic of major artistic movements and innovations. You have Gertin's taught St. John's nativity at <laughs> night in 1490, which was the first recorded nighttime scene. So that didn't come into the scene until 1490. That and, his birth was at night. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that And later then too. you have Caravaggio's nativity with St. Francis and St. Lawrence from 1609, which is the most renowned and still unsolved cases of theft of art theft 
as it was stolen from the oratory of San Lorenzo in Palm uh, Palermo in 1969 and still has yet to be returned. So that's an over 50 year case. Yep, hasn't been that returned. Still hasn't been resolved. Um, this is crazy, but it is something interesting that all these things are very artistic, very valuable. Yeah. This expression of art. By the way, I had to look up real quick because I was thinking. I told you something about some grave clothes or something, but the sarcophagus was actually a coffin carved in stone. Interesting. So they have a sketch of what was lost in the sarcophagus of that first uh, nativity scene in 343. They have a yeah. sketch of it, but they don't actually have the actual Which, coffin. If, if you go and look at that sketch, you can't even really say it was a nativity scene. <laughs> so they didn't really become popular until the late Middle Ages, the Dark Ages, and the Renaissance when mm -hmm. people started to really get artistic with it, which is just encouragement. Yeah, if you want to be artistic with your nativity scene, do it. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons if you go to like a lot of the old Catholic churches, if you go to the places where um, the Catholic church thought something significant in the church um, has happened in church history uh, or in the Gospels, let's say, like if you could travel to Israel— there are a ton of places where um, the Catholic Church came in and built basilicas, and all of them are beautiful, they're ornate. Um, now, it's a side conversation or a separate conversation on was it worth spending the money and <laughs> right. on things like this instead of actually helping the poor, whatever. Um, but it is cool that they did preserve a lot of these things and a lot of these places that have a lot of significant uh, impact in, uh, in people's relationship with God throughout the years for today. Um, so that's very cool. But it goes back to they wanted to create these ornate, beautiful masterpieces because they wanted to depict the beauty um, or of the story of Jesus in beauty. Mm. And so that's why the nativity, I could see why it really took off. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about three myths today. They're kind of all kind of go together. <clears throat> the first one is that, and I don't think really anybody actually believes this, but it is definitely a myth, is that Jesus was born on December 25th. Right. And of course, we don't know the exact date. And I don't know why people get caught up on this sometimes. Like, you know, you celebrated on December 25th. Don't you know he wasn't born? Like, I don't think anybody really cares the actual day he was born on. Like, we just celebrate the fact that he did come. We could pick any date, mm -hmm. but we just want to do that. Now, some scholars believe that he was actually born in the spring or summer because Luke tells us that shepherds were out in the fields watching at night their flock. And so, this detail suggests that it maybe wasn't uh, one of the colder months or winter as shepherds would be out watching their flocks during the lambing season, which is in spring. Um, in some of the colder months, even though when we say colder months, it's not the exact translation mm -hmm. of their colder months. Um, but the sheep would have been corralled in sometimes indoors or closely, um, closely together. Um, but the early church actually chose December 25th for a couple of different reasons we're going to get into. And some of these are, are debated and you can talk a little bit about what a few of those are. Yeah. There's actually uh, scholarly opinions on all three of these. So again, we're not saying that we know it or that this is fact, but these are the three suggested areas of why they picked December 25th. The first one is that some scholars believe it's in line with the Jewish festive uh, festival of lights, also known as Hanukkah, which is a celebration of the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem with feasts and gifts, hence why there's feasts and gifts around Christmas. Other scholars believe that Mary received news of her pregnancy on March 25th, which is the same day Jesus probably was crucified because tradition held that Jesus died on the same day that he was born. In fact, most or people... conceived. Sorry, yeah, conceived yeah. the same... What did I say? Born. Oh, yeah. Conce uh, Jesus died the same day that he was... 
conceived. Yeah. So once you well, apply and this math, isn't just with Jesus. So throughout yeah. the Catholic Church, whenever they would honor someone with sainthood, and whether this is true or not, they would kind of just depict that their conception um, happened the same day that they died, like right. and vice versa. Um, right. They died the same day that they were conceived. And so in this analogy, um, they just would have thought that, you know, Jesus would have been conceived around this March, April timeline um, because, because it then. is yeah. the same time that he died. So that's when they said he was conceived. So then if we pick the March 25th date, nine months later, yeah. here you have a and baby. That boy, was commonly that was commonly accepted within yeah. this timeline uh, for everybody. Uh, and then the last one is while other scholars date it back to the winter solstice and the, uh, they date it uh, December 25 because of the Roman pagan holiday Sol Invictus, which is the birthday of the unconquered sun. And early Christians picked this day to take over the pagan holiday and replace it with a holy celebration, which is cool for some people, lame for others. But those are the three reasons for why most scholars have this conversation as to why they landed on December 25th, which again, some of those I didn't know, but some of them I did. And again, they don't really matter. Yeah. And the thing that some people bring up and why it matters is that last thing you talked about as far as how that date covered up like this Roman pagan holiday. Um, and they say, you know, we celebrate on that day, you know, we're just taking over other traditions from these other holidays, from these pagan holidays. Why do we still do it? But that's why so much work has been done in like, uh, the second myth that we said, or the second reason why we said not myth, the reason that the date was uh, nine months after he was conceived that tied into his death date is the more probable reason why December 25th was chosen, not so we can cover up same, some pagan holiday. Now, if there was something to that, then great, but it's not like that is the main reason. That's why we wanted to break down all three. For sure. The second myth, this is the controversy <laughs> at least we, here at least in we had this be, office before we had recovering is the myth is that Mary was unwed when she gave birth to Jesus. Now we both thought and believed that everybody understood yeah. that she I, was married. So right before the podcast, I was reading through these notes and I'm like, wait, this is actually a myth that people believe that Mary stayed unwed till after Jesus. And then they got married. Like, no, we can't even talk about that. That's really not a myth. No one thinks that, they waited till after Jesus to get married. They got married. Now they didn't consummate the marriage, but they got married before. And then they had Jesus. That's how it is. Surely this isn't a myth, but you wanted to do a little interesting well, thing because yeah. you're like, yeah, I found it on, on many, every single thing that I looked up to read, this was included in the myths. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no way that's a myth. People don't actually believe that. But why don't you tell what, what just happened? So then we said, well, let's just go ask our staff. So we walked around before <laughs> we went and recorded and we asked. Five staff members. Five staff members. And four of the five said that, that, that they believed that Mary didn't get married to Joseph until after, after she had given it. And we were like, I was actually shocked that our own staff, we're not going to put them on blast <laughs> about that. But yeah. I understand the confusion. And one of those confusing understandings around this is because of the Greek word that's used in English translation. It's betrothed. Betrothed means to be engaged in our 21st understanding of the word, but that's not what it meant in the first century Greek when they used that word. Uh, so they incorrectly assume that they were just engaged at their, when they gave birth to right. Jesus. Uh, because we read it through yeah. our Western And lines. reading through the story of Luke, that's really how it is worded, that they were it just is. betrothed. And, oh, right. that's engaged, so then they waited. But that's not but what that But then if you means. go through yeah. and read, it's not what it means. But then if you go over to Matthew and read that story, and just kind of through reason and deduction, it says, but Joseph 
this is Matthew one twenty five. But Joseph did not consummate their marriage, mm-hmm. so they had to be married to have a marriage yep. until she gave birth to a son. So yep. this to me speaks that they were married, they had a son, and then afterward they consummated the marriage. And of course, I believe they eventually did that. Mary did not stay a virgin her entire life. Matter of fact, Jesus had brothers and sisters, and mm-hmm. it tells us that in in the New Testament. Yeah, there's a lot of because people would say and argue that even first century weddings the ceremony did not declare your marriage the consummation did so that would be probably other people's argument for why they yeah. technically or why were they married. believe it yeah. to be afterwards because oh well they might have said they were married but legally they no one's ever married until they consummate the marriage so then it wasn't valid until then so if you want to make that a loophole knock yourself out but there's other information because under Jewish law they had to travel back to Bethlehem mm-hmm. as a fully married couple to partake in a census so Mary wouldn't have gone with Joseph if they weren't married one and uh, there's a couple other examples that, yeah. that share this is because if if she gave birth as an unwed woman, regardless if they consummated or not, she would have been stoned to death under Jewish law because she had sex out of wedlock, which and she wasn't a prostitute, which was the only legal way to get around it. So you're like, wow, yeah. okay, it makes sense. So interesting, but, but I didn't know people. This was a myth, and people yeah. believe that they they were weren't married till afterward. They were definitely married they were, before. They had to be married. So that was a myth. And then the last uh, one. Yeah, what's the last you, one? You yeah, last so. One. Uh, this myth is that Mary and Joseph were alone when they traveled to Bethlehem. And I get why people believe this um, because of the story of Mary being pregnant out of wedlock, like you just said, before that, probably a lot of shame probably came upon them. And they traveled at night solo alone because they didn't have anybody there. Like we've heard all those sermons Mm -hmm. and we kind of put that in our mind. But honestly, when you think about it, they probably were most likely traveling with family. Now, and a lot of it and a lot of family. Now we'll touch more on, on some of the myths about the inn, the stable, the ma- the manger when they show up in Bethlehem later, but everyone during this time had to travel back to their hometown to do what? Take a census. And what we have to remember is that Joseph actually came from the lineage of David, which was a Royal lineage. Mm-hmm. Now Bethlehem was at the center of Judea. And so most likely they were not traveling alone they would have had many people, many family that were along with them. They were not quote unquote friendless yeah. in Bethlehem. Yeah. Well, even they definitely, I don't believe we're traveling alone because they, they traveled in entourages before simply for safety yeah. because yeah. there were, you know, that the story of yeah. the good Samaritan, there were robbers at every turn yeah. when they were, but only that it, it, it actually is a point whenever later on in the story, the only, the time where, uh, it talks about Jesus as Jesus as a child and they went, um, you know, from Jericho up to Jerusalem and back. And when they got back, wait, Jesus isn't here. And if it was just like the three of them that were traveling or whatever, surely you would know if your son wasn't there. So this speaks to your point. It's an entourage. There's a lot of people traveling together to make these journeys. So it's easy for a kid to get lost if they're out playing, wandering and, you know, all the stuff, if there's hundreds of people possibly traveling with you. And we don't understand travel for a century because we're Americans and we travel by car or plane or whatnot, but it would have been a huge event. There would have been lots of people. And to to go what you said, like, yes, i sometimes forget that Joseph was part of the royal lineage, which means, okay, let's say that he did travel alone, which I definitely don't believe that he did which we're going to get to next week about the inn and the, and the stable and all that stuff, they wouldn't have just had family in Bethlehem. They would have had 
lots of friends in Bethlehem because he was a part of the royal family. And that's a key, key part, which, again, you'll have to come back to next week. We're going to yep. ruin this whole idea about inn <laughs> and stable and manger and all that stuff actually what it was and it's going to be a good time yeah, yeah so hopefully you enjoyed the podcast today <laughs> again this is thing. lighthearted. the next few weeks we're leading up to christmas we just thought it would be fun to do some highlight to highlight some of these things that uh, we think about or possibly believe about the story some of them may be true some of them not true but we do want you to be have this takeaway regardless the nativity is there to point us to christ incarnate that he came um and really showed right what god and who god has always been like and that's what we look at that's what we celebrate and we do want you to have an incredible christmas season this year um and so yeah today's podcast was just light fun the next few weeks you'll learn a few new things about the nativity um but again we don't want to take anything away from you that you might enjoy you might love knock yourself out have an incredible time have an incredible christmas and we hope that you will join us next week as we continue this conversation. But until then, just know you're loved and there's nothing you can do about it. 